May only truth be spoken here and only truth be heard in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Peter who, um, Peter, who gets things wrong from time to time, he is right about one thing, which is that it is good for us to be here. So it's good to see all of you. I want to begin by putting this uh, story that happens on this mountaintop in context. Um, I think the gospel reading, remind me if I'm right, it begins with eight days later, he takes them up on a mountaintop to pray. So maybe we wonder at the beginning, well, eight days later than what? Um, what, what just happened um, that follows this trip to the mountain for prayer? So what had just happened was that Jesus had told the disciples something he hadn't told them before at any point in his ministry on earth. He'd called these guys to follow him and they've been traveling and on their travels, he's been healing people. He's been teaching people about scripture and crowds have been following him. Just just, uh, just before this, he had fed the 5,000. Um, so he's been doing these miracles and his power and his strength seem to be growing. But right before, eight days before, they go up onto this mountaintop to pray, he tells them something he hadn't said before, which is that this time of healing and teaching and miracles and growing in power and growing in numbers, this sort of growing movement is not going to continue on that trajectory. But instead, that he is going to be going to Jerusalem, where he will die. And not just any death, but a gruesome and humiliating death. He's going to be crucified. And then on the third day, he'll be raised again. So he's dropped this bombshell on his disciples. And you can imagine if you put yourself in their shoes, you're following somebody who is powerful and charismatic and is opening up a new way of living that seems to be changing lives and hearts and minds. And then he says, this won't last. I'm about to die. It's no wonder that he himself and they need time to reflect and pray because what they thought was going to happen turns out not to be. So that's the context for the story of the transfiguration, eight days after Jesus reveals his very near future. When he's on the mountaintop praying, his appearance is transformed and light shoots out of his face and out of his clothes. And two men appear, Moses and Elijah. Now in this context, and this appears in all three gospels, in all three gospels, Moses and Elijah appear by his side. And part of our tradition has understood that it's important that it's these two particular men Moses on the one hand representing 
the law. Moses, who went up onto Mount Sinai, brought the commandments back from God and showed God's people how they were to live. And then Elijah, who represents the prophets, the prophets who generation after generation spoke to God's people, used the, were, were filled with the Holy Spirit and came to God's people to share with God's people God's guidance for them in every generation. And so Moses and Elijah stand side by side with Jesus as he is revealed in this shining glory. And the tradition would say, um, and, and I think it's, you know, it's accurate that part of what's happening is that they are showing Jesus authority, who he is. They are part of the revelation of who Jesus is. Remember, Jesus says in another gospel, in the gospel of Matthew, he says, the commandment to love God and love your neighbor as yourself, that's the single greatest commandment, and on this hang all the law and the prophets. So in the middle, you have Jesus, who is revealed as the fullness of both the law and the prophets. Everything God has done is fully revealed as the way of love in Jesus. And so he has the law and the prophets on either side, like literally backing him up. And if anyone doubted that this was indeed the Messiah, here they are. And we have this depicted in a window here. Um, if you can't see it from your seat, you can get up. Um, or you can at least look on the way out, but there's a window here that depicts the transfiguration. You can see um, Moses holding the tablets on one side and Elijah on the other with his hand raised in blessing. And you can see the disciples basically falling off the mountain because they can't believe what's happening. I think, isn't one of them losing his shoe? Or there's like just a foot kind of sticking out the window? Um, so this is a big, <laughs> this is a big moment. But this week, as I was reflecting on the reality that this revelation of who Jesus is comes right after he reveals to them his impending death, his crucifixion and death, and then even more wildly and mysteriously that he will be raised again on the third day, I started to think about Moses and Elijah as not just here to lend the authority of God and um, God working amidst God's people. But there's also, I think, something more tender happening here. Because this is the point at which Luke has introduced Jesus' own mortality. So Jesus is contemplating his mortality and his loved ones, the ones who love him, are also contemplating that. All of us who've ever had to come face to face and I don't know, I mean, I mostly spend my time avoiding thinking about my mortality. If you've ever come face to face with your own mortality or with that of someone you love, you know how heavy, how dark that can feel, even for those of us who have faith. There is nothing attractive glorious or beautiful in that contemplation of the reality that we and everybody we love will die. And here Jesus and his disciples 
this point in Luke, they've gone up on this mountaintop and they are praying in contemplation of that death, his death. And this is the death of all that they had hoped for. This is the death, not only of one human, but of the Messiah, the one who was bringing healing and hope to the world. Now, if you know someone, if you have ever been present at a deathbed, or maybe you've heard stories, maybe you've talked to hospice chaplains or to nurses, people who spend time with the dying, you've heard perhaps of people on their deathbed seeing someone who had already crossed to the other side of the veil, a parent or a sibling or a best friend or a spouse. And at that moment, as death appears, the loved one also appears as if to say, you won't be alone here as you come with me, you'll be with God and we will be together. And it began to occur to me that maybe that is also what is happening with Jesus on the mountain. Moses and Elijah are not just there to lend allegorical authority, but what if also they are there as companions to Christ? as he begins his journey toward Jerusalem and toward his death. We've talked through this summer about the faithfulness of God. And perhaps Moses and Elijah here represent the faithfulness of God, the love of God, and the company that Jesus has as he makes this journey which in the Gospel of Luke is called an exodus. So Moses, who led an exodus, led the liberation of God's people out of slavery and oppression and into freedom, into being who they were called to be by God. And Elijah, who was taken up by God and assumed into heaven, they are there to walk side by side with Christ in his exodus which is not only his, because for Christ, as he walks toward Jerusalem, his journey is a journey that he takes before us, before us into death and back out again. It's striking that Luke uses the word exodus and not some other word for journey or death, because Christ in his journey, accompanied by those who led liberation before for God's people, is also freeing all of us from the power of death and from the fear of death. And that journey that he takes in company also means that he is with us on our journey and that none of us journey alone. So Christ's contemplation of death is transfigured from what was frightful, 
into what is glorious in God. Because, because Christ took this journey, the power of death no longer has power over us. And I want you to take a look at this window again. Christ already has the marks of the nails in his hands and feet in our window, which I wondered, and I still wonder if that was a mistake because he hasn't been crucified yet. And when I first saw this, I thought, well, is this supposed to be the ascension? Because that happens after the crucifixion and the resurrection. But I think there's a meaning in this because the glory of Christ is not fully revealed until the reality of his mission, his mission which is to free us, to bring us out of the power of death, is revealed. And so this artist that made this window depicts Jesus already having experienced death and yet glorious. Jesus doesn't make that journey, that exodus alone. And nor, friends, do we or will we. And so my prayer today, every day, is that when we have the courage to face those places of fear, darkness, and death, that by the power of God, even those through Christ will shine with the glory of the faithfulness and the love of God, which goes before us always. Amen.